met this young lady in 1932 who was an undertaker's daughter. So she invited me to see her father's undertaker's shop. Then she began to explain to me about all the different coffins, uh, half couch or full couch, all that I didn't like anyway because I wasn't interested in death nor dying. So one night she came to a party where we were playing. At that time, my group was called the Four Keys. And so she was a little tipsy, so she walked over to each member, and she walked over to Mr. Martin. She says, uh, I know who you are. You are Duke Ellington. And so she came to Bogan, the guitar player, says, uh, you are Ted Lewis. Then she sounded over to me, and she says, uh, you Armstrong, I know you're Armstrong, but you're not the Louis Armstrong. That Louis, you're just plain old Louis Bluey, that's what you are. And so I use the name to record on the later. Hi, I'm Eric Angevine. Welcome to Radio Superfly. On this episode, I'm continuing my COVID-19 shut-in film festival with Louis Bluey, a 1985 documentary about multi-instrumentalist Howard Armstrong. Louie Bluey was Terry Zweigoff's first film. Afterward, he made another documentary called Crumb and then moved into feature films with Ghost World, Bad Santa, and Art School Confidential. I knew nothing about Howard Armstrong when I sat down to watch this film, and it doesn't do much to tell a straight biographical story, so I'll give you the basics. Armstrong was born in Dayton, Tennessee in 1909, smack in the middle of eight brothers and sisters. Despite little formal education, he spoke several languages and was an excellent artist as well as playing fiddle, mandolin, and guitar. From watching this film, however, he seems to have been most expert at talking. There's no narrator in Louie Bluey, Zweigoff just points the camera at Armstrong and his friends while they eat, walk, sing, reminisce, and roast one another mercilessly. I can't improve on that highly effective verite style, so you won't hear from me again until the end. I'll just mix Armstrong's voice with his music and stay out of the way. I've been exposed to music all my life. The town that I grew up in was called Follett, Tennessee. There were 11 of us in the family all those older than me could play some instrument. So I started off playing music but listened to my dad and he, he gave me some instructions on the mandolin and whatnot because after he got into the preaching business, they decided he and his church members that that was the devil's instrument and it wasn't becoming for a minister to play strange music so he threw his whole mandolin in my lap.
organized a little string band. I played the fiddle, and uh, my brother Roland played homemade bass my dad made out of a goods box. My brother L.C. played the guitar, and uh, F.L., the baby boy, six years old, he played the banjolele or the ukulele. My band played all the same kinds of jobs as other black string band did in those days. We would play for outings, picnics, fish fries. Our biggest plays were done for the elite of the white people, you know. The uh, upper crust, as we used to say, the sedated white people. We would play for those banquets and all those different things. Maybe they would have a, a political campaign and they would hire us to go out, play on excursions and things like that. engagement at that radio station, W-R-O-L. Everybody all up and down the strip had the little sets turned on because, you know, we were going to come over big, you know. And all I used to do is just took a piece of music and run it down, and then I had it, you know. And I had yeah, that. play any kind of mute anything. Yeah. And I had it on until the man announced the band. He says, now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, our feature for the evening is uh, Tennessee Chocolate Drops. And they're going to play as their first selection. I miss a little miss. Who misses me in sunny Tennessee? My mind went just as blank as a red <laughs> sea. So I, I didn't know how to start it. Sometimes you play intro back then, you know. And I fiddled the deed. I fiddled all the way from C to E flat. And my brother Roland chewed tobacco. And, and he played the bass, and he leaned over and tried to whistle the song, you know, so I would get to start and got string along the tobacco and started coughing, and it tickled me, and it came to me. And then we picked up the song. And so the next day, all the cats on the street said, Man, said, you guys really were cooking the last night, but look at here, said, that was the craziest intro ever I heard. I said, you don't know how near you came not even getting a song. <laughs> who could really play, but they couldn't get in to compete with the white fiddle players. Never could. They never let me get in on a fiddler's contest. And they were guys in there fiddling and scraping. 
couldn't play a damn enough music to keep the flies off a dog dick. Songs, you know, like uh, Brown Eyes, Why You're Blue. If you came out there playing some low-down blues, they'd pack up and leave. Either you'd have to pack up and run because they put some heat on you that you couldn't stand. by Marvin McDowell. Ross, Nair, Beach, we Blit, Ronald, Sandpiper, and Aquasi. That's enough of that, you know. So the teacher, after about three, got up there and said, he said, now let me tell you, the next one says anything about that doggone Sandpiper, I'm going to take him to the club room. But the sad part, you see, my poor mother was sitting back there and some other parents, and that old chicken-eating preacher they call Reverend Parks. I, I didn't like him very well. Mm-hmm. So after they all had recited the thing about three times, well, they called on me. They're going to have a recitation by Master William Howard Armstrong. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh-huh. That was me. Uh-huh. Mama just looked back and smiled so pretty, you know, and said, you tell them, Tiger. Uh-huh. And all the kids were very happy because they knew they were going to hear something uh-huh. unusual, at least different, you know. Uh-huh. I got out with my little Boy Scout shoes on, you know, and got the right stance just like I was Abraham Lincoln, you know. Uh-huh. And I even addressed the faculty, student body and friends. I says, I'm going to talk about a bird, but it's a different bird. It's not going to be a sandpiper. One that you're all familiar with, Mama nodded. You tell them, son. I ran back, and that old woman was just beaming with pride. I said, that woodpecker flew to the schoolhouse yard. He wanted to peck because his pecker was hard. The woodpecker flew to the schoolhouse door. He pecked so long till his pecker got sore. Then they were getting up. I saw him getting up back there. Then the woodpecker... <laughs> 
He pecked so all night till the break of day when the sun rose up. He flew away. And by that time, they had me by the ear, by the feet. Oh, even old man Parks had me there. Oh, up and like to beat all the hide off me. Oh, man. That was my last time, I think, of period. Oh, oh. They grew fair in this part of Tennessee where I was, and they had, uh, of course, Jim Crow, the discriminatory practices and whatnot. We weren't supposed to cross over the line, but being little kids and things we did, I played with the little Italians, the little Hungarians, the little Polish kids, you know. Well, I was uh, speaking better Italian uh, grammatically than I was English. And so when I first came to Chicago in the 30s, it served me in good stead. Mine was the only black group that could go among these different ethnic groups because I could make out and speak in the language and also playing the type of music most of them liked. We started pulling doors right after we got here. Pulling doors was like uh, three or four guys just to get together. It didn't matter what the instrumentation was. And uh, we had no particular place to play, you know. Didn't have any gig, that is. And we... I said, well, look, man, I'm, I'm going to pull the door, the first door. You don't know whether you're going to get a cuspid or thrown in your face or thrown out or maybe invited in. And we ran on a little Italian place they call a casita. And I didn't know that they were angry because Joe Lewis beat this big fighter they called Primo Canero. And I walked in front with my violin, and the little place was hazy with these little stogas they called them, little Italian cigars, you know. The smoke was everywhere. It just blew in there. The atmosphere was really, really hostile. I tried to back out, and, it, and I backed up on the guitar player. He backed up on the washboard player, and he backed up on the bass fiddle player who blocked the door. So something told me, I don't know, the devil might have stuck his tail in my ear. He said, talk Italian. And I started rattling off my Tennessee Italian. And so right away, the whole atmosphere changed. And I told him I could play Italian music. He said, Son, I tell the music, more pronto, presto, play right away. We, I almost tore the lid off that old rag the fiddle case I had, trying to get it out fast enough. Then after we had gotten full of that good old Dago Red and whatnot that they were serving us, the boys got a little tipsy. And uh, we were playing one particular song they called Oh Marie. And uh, the, some of the guys thought they were really singing good, uh, singing Italian. And they were saying, oh, my leg, oh, anything, you know. Italians said, all your boys are singing good Italian, you know. <laughs> Some of the guys were singing, oh, my leg, and oh, whatever, anything. Anything you could think about, say, you know. Yeah. And that's what got us out of that little scrap. This song, you know, I think you've forgotten. Have you forgotten that song, you know, when uh, two or three Polish guys fell out, seeing a black dude sing and play Polish song? This one, I think they call it Barushka, wasn't it? Barushka's right. Barushka. You were singing in Polish too, weren't you? 
This is something in time of dude, a black dude singing Cottonfield Polish, you know that's a mess. Let's get, see if you can get that. what they call the golden year because I can function yet like a man I don't get in bed and go through some pretense I don't care if the woman's young middle-aged old just like one time my girl she says I forgot to ask you how old you are I said how old I am I said hell I didn't know you wanted age but if you want to know how old I am by God here's my birth certificate sticking straight up where you said All right, I'm back. As you can hear, Howard Armstrong was quite a musician and quite a character. The documentary is about an hour long and includes some amazing and occasionally explicit art that I just can't show you on a podcast, so I highly recommend tracking down a copy if you can. I found a slightly wobbly, truncated version dubbed straight off of VHS on YouTube, but hopefully there are some better options out there. The soundtrack is available on Spotify. Thanks for joining me on Radio Superfly. I hope you enjoyed this taste of Terry Zweigoff's debut film and laughed as much as I did at Howard Armstrong's hilarious stories. Mom